Welcome to Greater Finance Daily. We bring you the latest from the ongoing crypto and fintech revolution. And I'm one of your hosts, Gustav. And I'm the other, Alex. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Gustav. How are you today? I'm feeling good. I'm ready for a new day. How are you? Yeah, nice. It's a Friday. That's always nice. You have a weekend in front of you. And uh, we have put together a couple of news. We'll soon walk them through. But have you had a look at the market yet, Alex? Yes, I have. The first thing I do actually every morning. Bitcoin trading around 48,000. Ethereum around 3,550 US dollars. While Solana is not doing as well. In the last seven days, it's down 22%. It's trading around $150. So Solana is struggling right now, but it's only normal after a pump like it has seen in the recent month. Yeah, and they were down as well, which was a bit crazy. Exactly. But for the news today, I think we can go through uh, our hot topics. It's first out is Cuba's cryptocurrency regulations will take effect. Um, then we have blockchain users shift focus towards DAP gaming and Polychain Capital and Three Arrows lead $230 million investment in Avalanche ecosystem. An OpenSea executive that were accused, that we mentioned uh, yesterday, I think, of insider trading leaves the company. And then ETH withdrawals from centralized exchanges hit all-time high. So what's up with Cuba, Alex? So in Cuba, crypto is now a legal method of payment for commercial transactions in the nation. So the resolution is number 215 this year and is issued by the Banco Central de Cuba, which is the country's central bank, is uh, that they are recognizing cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is now in effect. And now when we have crypto legally recognized by the bank, central bank in Cuba, you can use Bitcoin and other crypto for, for commercial transactions and investment there, basically. And this also allows exchanges and other virtual asset providers uh, to operate in Cuba. So it's not only for the Cuban people to invest, it's also for institutions to, to base their business there and have a, a framework, a regulatory framework so they can feel safe. Ah. Uh, but it feels like it went really fast with the, the Cuba um, crypto regulations now. Is this something that followed after um, El Salvador or, or what has happened? Exactly. It's been discussion about uh, Cuba adopting these uh, regulations and making it possible for cryptocurrencies to operate within Cuba ever since actually El Salvador started to talk about it. And now it's official and you can do it there as well. It's not legal tender in there in the same way as Bitcoin is in El Salvador. That's important to make clear though. Yeah, yeah. interesting to follow anyway. Um, what do we have up next? We do have uh, blockchain users shift focus towards DAP gaming. And what's that about? Well, we see 
DeFi and NFTs are struggling against gaming. So gaming is getting a bigger and bigger market share when it comes to, to the DAP world. If, if you compare to May last year, 55% interacted with DeFi DAPs and 45% were divided between NFTs and games. And when you look at August this year, you have DeFi DAPs only representing around 18% of the traffic, while games are accounting for 45% and NFTs are close to 41%. So there's a clear shift here between DeFi, who is losing their market share compared to both NFTs and gaming. And now in the last few few weeks, especially and, and months, gaming has seen a huge rise in, in popularity, basically. But that feels uh, natural. I mean, I don't know the numbers in the traditional world, but uh, I, I, I would assume that there is a higher um, like uh, activity in games than, than than finance apps. But maybe I'm I'm wrong. But uh, and also it's like when there are new things like NFTs and so on, there are two industries that adopt this really fast, and it's usually like porn and games and gambling and stuff like that. It was the same with the internet, right? Exactly, exactly. So it's no shock at all. And you can even use, I think you even use the NFTs in the game. So I'm not exactly sure how they distinguish the games and the NFTs here. Maybe NFTs in games is one thing and NFTs as profile pictures is another thing. But we need to try a game, Alex. We need to try the best uh, NFT game out there to, to understand more about this. We definitely do. You had a, uh, you, you were talking about the Solana game there. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah, let's try it. Anyway, we need to move on. Polychain Capital uh, and Three Arrows, uh, so VC firms, lead 230 million investment in Avalanche ecosystem. And uh, what is this about? Avalanche seems to be being really hot on the latest. Exactly. So. They, the Avalanche Foundation have announced a $230 million raise, which they're going to use to jumpstart liquidity in the DeFi system that is going on on top of the Avalanche blockchain. So this is, of course, another blockchain than Ethereum or Solana. And uh, yeah, they, they basically want to kick on the, the DeFi ecosystem there. And to do that, you need, you, you definitely need liquidity because with this with this liquidity, you can... Uh, create incentive programs to start liquidity there. For example, liquidity mining. So you give extremely high rates for people who joins the DeFi world on top of Avalanche. We have seen projects providing extremely high interest rates on if you do liquidity mining on top of, for example, layer twos like Arbitrum and other uh, Ethereum competitors, layer one competitors, of course. So this is a way of raising money in order to to make an incentive for uh, DeFi users on top of Avalanche to start going hard there, basically. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I've been feeling for a long time to dig, dig deeper into Avalanche and understand it more. So uh, it's interesting to see and even further uh, makes me want to analyze this project a bit more when I see those kind of investments coming into the project. Yeah. And the good thing is if you're early on and use the DeFi on top of these protocols, 
when they provide these extremely high interest rates, you can make some quick bucks. I mean, it's not uncommon to see 100% plus in kind of not super popular trading pairs, of course, but uh, kind of popular. But, but, hey, but I, it's is, the Wild Western. <laughs> is that an investment advice? It's not an investment advice, of course. Nothing is that we're talking about. It's just like pure facts when I see what happened on top of Arbitrum, what's happening on top of other chains that are trying to get the DeFi game rolling on their chain. <laughs> okay, so not an investment advice, but pure fact. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pure fact, yeah. I mean, it, it's still risky, right? You have the smart contract risk. You have the other kind of um, risks on the... Yeah, I don't know exactly all the par all the risks that are there, but it's just the numbers that they showed me, and uh, I haven't tried it myself. Just to make that clear, so I don't know how how it works. But hey, let's move on. OpenSea executive accused of insider trading resigns, and this guy we talked about was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, yesterday, I think, or yeah, maybe two days ago. Time moves quickly here. Yeah, and, and um, this guy obviously uh, bought and then sold different kind of NFTs that he knew would be visible on the main page on OpenSea. And uh, now it seems like he have left the company. Uh, this is obviously something that's not good for the company uh, or for the platform OpenSea. So, yeah, uh, not a big surprise, I guess. I think everyone in the crypto world is cheering right now. I mean, you never like a person who's, who do those things and uh, he's making the only right decision to step down. I don't think it was like an option for him. They are just communicating it like an option for him. It was more a directive from the CEO, I think. He said something like, yeah, we want you to, to resign now, basically. And he said, okay, which was pretty obvious. Yeah. And everyone knows his name now also, which is kind of bad for him. Uh, yeah, that's very bad. Anyway, um, good luck for him. Then we have an, another topic here, which is about ETH. Withdrawals from centralized exchanges hit an all-time high. And this is interesting. What does it mean when money are going or when crypto are going out? from centralized exchanges. So it basically means that the if you hold your cryptocurrencies at a centralized exchange, it means that they hold the keys, which can be an analogy, an, an analogy here is uh, holding their pin code to send the ether or the cryptocurrencies. And if you withdraw it from an exchange to your own wallet, you will then have the keys or the pin code to enter and, and spend the transaction basically. So it gives the user the full control of the funds if they hold it in their own hands instead of holding them on the exchange. Yeah, and uh, why do we think that this is happening? People are, I mean, if you have your Ether on an, an, an um, exchange, then you're more likely to, to maybe sell your Ether. But when you hold it on a cold storage, you're maybe more likely of uh, of uh, long-term uh, hodling, right? Exactly. And in the past, they've seen patterns where if a lot of 
a big chunk of Ether or Bitcoin or whatever is moving into a cryptocurrency exchange, there have been some kind of price movement in the in the bearish way in the coming days, weeks. However, on the opposite, they, they have all, there has also been evidence that when people are moving cryptocurrencies outside of exchanges, um, the price has more tend to rally the few days or weeks after. Um, yeah, yeah. They see, they were comparing here, I see a price increase by 60% in the 30 days after 1 billion was pulled from centralized trading platforms in April, for example. So they see a similar amount was withdrawn and then we had a huge spike in the Ether price just in April. Um, so of course it's interesting for the news pages to bring up a, a news like this because it will get lots of traffic. People want to know about this kind of news. Yeah. All right. Uh, interesting topics. I want extra topic. Do you want to hear? Yes, um, I don't know what you're going to talk about, so please let me know. <laughs> no, but it's just Monzo, which is one of those those fintechs in UK, a fintech app similar to Revolut and, and that kind of apps. Um, they have now also entered the buy now, pay later products uh, or the buy now, later product or the buy now, later um, sort of domain. And it appears to to be an old-fashioned pre-approved line of credit, giving customers the option to pay off loans interest-free over three installments and then incur a 19% APR interest rate for longer installment plans. So yet another buy now pay later or yet another non-buy now pay later player that enters this uh, new trend and uh, the in the, the buy now pay later uh, domain get, getting even more competitive uh, or more competitors so it's so interesting was, with the interest rate there 19 percent yeah that's a lot uh, but what's also interesting is that they have uh, three installments for free so that's kind of good like a, more of a sustainable finance letting people uh, have debt and if they can pay it off in three months then then there is no interest rate and I think that's great um, mm -hmm. but then you can also also always argue about whether 19% or even more 30% is is that uh, I mean it's a lot of money but yeah yeah uh -huh. I think we are we have run through all the topics of today. Correct. Great. Um, I don't have so much more. Do you, Alex? Anything? Well, it was a good, good week here with all the news. And next week we are back again. And in the weekend, of course, Greater Finance Insights. Exactly. So, see you until next time. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.